Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to Springboard the virtual university this is your matriculation the time is five minutes past the hour of seven my name is albert okran and from now till you graduate at 8 p.m i promise that your personal value will shoot up helping me serve you tonight are my virtual academic board comprising comfort the registrar along with matthew and nana springboard is a thematic radio seminar that brings together a virtual network of top ceos corporate executives and the most influential leaders every sunday evening it has for the past six years operated with a simple agenda a simple mission of raising the new generation of african leaders and executives using the platform of human capital development the broadcast is put together by Legacy and Legacy, your preferred choice of world-class corporate training and your superstation joy 99.7 FM. Springboard is proudly sponsored by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, with media support from the Business and Financial Times and the graphic business, as well as technology backing from Dream Overall. If you are counting, we have 45 days more to the start of the 2015 Roadshow. The Springboard Roadshow is going on to one more edition. And this year, the theme is Exploration with Integrity. We are looking at four pillars under the word exploration. That is to explore, to discover, to activate, and to consolidate. Hey, whatever you do, explore how to do it better. Explore different ways to do it. And as you explore, you are likely to discover something different, something new. When you discover, don't stop there. Activate that discovery. And then when you make some gains, consolidate them. And the year 2015 will be an excellent year for you. One special feature of next year will be the replacement of the talks that we normally have at Springboard with workshops to enable you achieve your dreams. The key areas, business plan writing, CV and cover letter writing, project proposal writing, and then investment planning. These are the four key areas. And you just need to find out more about the Springboard ratio and how you can become a better person as a result of participating. From the month of January, I'm going to be bringing on the show people who have come through the roadshow who are doing some amazing things. Yesterday, I met some of them and I just can't believe how far they've come with the investment made in them in the spring or on the springboard road show but let's move on straight to our weekly poll for this week and we are looking at the seven blunders of the world last week we looked at the seven deadly sins from the book of proverbs today we are moving on to the seven blunders or what you call the seven social sins published by mahatma gandhi in october 1925 89 and a half years ago he warned that these were sins or blunders that could destroy society. They were, number one, wealth without work, or the desire for wealth without work. Number two, was pleasure without conscience. Number three, knowledge without character. Number four, business without morality. Number five, science without humanity. Number six, worship without sacrifice. And number seven, politics without principle. Now, my question to you was that 90 years after Gandhi's publication, are these things still a big threat to us? And in your opinion, which one is the biggest threat to our society? And since yesterday, the debate has been raging 
on social media. And I'm going to be sharing with you some of the thoughts that have been shared on Facebook. But it's not too late. Just post your thoughts on my Facebook page or just go to Springboard the Virtual University and let's know what you think. Which of these seven is the most deadly? But I'm going to find out, find out shortly from my guest which one he thinks is the most deadly and why. Because I have a very exciting guest in the studio tonight. And don't tell me all. Why you say all? You're making my work difficult. I've given you a question. Tell me which of them is the most deadly and why. And before that, let's go to the Springboard SMS Academy. If you are using your phone as an educa- educational tool by now, you will know that we are on day number 14 of our 31 Secrets of Talent and World Creation. And so this month of December, we are just challenging ourselves to make make money out of our talents, make some financial gain from the use of our talents. And so we've been finding out what does it take to use your talents to create or earn income. And we are at a stage where you discover what it is that you are good at. And, and key number 14, which is today's lesson, is when you love or feel passionate about something, it no longer feels like work. You sacrifice without feeling overworked or overstretched. And that is a key to discovering what your talent is. Something that makes you feel so passionate about that you don't think it is work. If you are not yet on this platform, just sign up by texting the word Springboard to short code 1984 on MTN or Airtel or 1985 if you use Vodafone or Tigo. Once you do that, you will start receiving immediately a text message every single day that helps you build your life and achieve your dreams. Tonight is is the 15th week or we climb to the 15th and the final floor in what has been probably one of our best series ever. And it's called the Leader's Digest because we've been trying to digest just from the leaders that we have interviewed, the principles that undergird their lives, the pillars that hold their lives, the thought patterns that that drive their choices and their actions. And it's been very, very revealing because we've learned some things that we didn't know. We found some commonalities and our report is almost ready. After today's session, we are ready to bring that compilation next week. And I can assure you that next week we are bringing two big leaders to just synthesize what these 15 leaders have have shared with us over the past 15 weeks. My guest for tonight is somebody who takes who takes ideas and makes them happen. He has the propensity or the power to build things out of nothing. Every time I meet him, I just feel so energized because he just makes things happen. I think his own is an anointing. He just creates things out of nothing. And he has such an infectious sense of optimism that you cannot leave him feeling discouraged because he will let you believe that it is possible. My brother, my friend, the founder of First Capital Plus and the president of Asian Swiss International Capital Holdings. Atwisian is my guest for tonight on the final edition of Leaders Digest. Atu, good to see you as always. Good to see you as always. Welcome to Springboard. Thank you. So we've had fun these 14 weeks learning trying to distill just the, just the the fun of trying to find out the engine because very often when people look at people's lives they look at the outward they look at the trappings of success they look at the outward choices but they don't find out the why what is underneath and we think that if we don't get to the engine we'll get a wrong picture and this has been extremely revealing as a series and so for us it's been just wonderful and it's good to have you here i hope you can get some a peek into the engine 
by the grace of God. <laughs> what type what type of car engine should we look out for? <laughs> Maybe a Mercedes six fifty. Yeah. It will be a strong one, I believe. Let's let's push back to the two things I've mentioned so far before we even go into into our main topic for today. Let's talk about wealth without work. Pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce or business without morality, science without humanity, worship without sacrifice, and politics without principle. Which of these seven touches you? Which of these seven touches you and why? Okay. Thank you very much, um, Pastor Albert. I'm very grateful. And um, first and foremost, I want to say good evening to your cherished listeners. And um, before I proceed, I'd like to um, pay respect to this few people. Reverend Dr. Minsa Otebo, my father, my mentor. Reverend Beniyamu Gansa, the man who taught me how to pray. My parents, Mr. and Mrs. Sisien, Captain Prince Kofi Amwabing, the man who broke through and gave us access. Frank Edu, the managing director of Calbank. Michael Nineku, a man I deeply love and respect. My team at Asian Swiss and the entire board of First Capital Plus Bank and all the people that I will continue to seek guidance and counsel. And the least, the, the last but not the least, my beautiful wife, Gifty Asian, and my beautiful children. Um, I looked at that seven things and um, I like to bring a few perspectives to that. I think science without humanity um, is the singular most important thing because I call that the main set. And then under that main set, all other things come under. And so I probably want to bring to the attention of members, our listeners, um, the definition of science. Science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systemic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. The definition for humanity goes this way. Humans beings collectively, the synonym of the word humanity is humankind, the human race, the human species, mankind, man and people. Now, out of the word human, we also get the word humane, humane. So humane originated from that. Now, the synonym of humane is compassion, brotherly love, fellow feeling, kindness, considerate, understanding, sympathy, tolerance, goodness. Now, if you put the two together, you would appreciate that if you love your neighbor, you would definitely would want to make sure that if you make a custodian of an activity, you would want to make sure that it is merited. If you are kind, you would also appreciate that anytime you have the opportunity of putting pieces together, you would want to make sure that science will benefit human beings. And so, when you come to knowledge without character, if you love your brother, you would want to appreciate that character is critical. And so your character must be used to benefit your neighbor. And then if you talk about business without money, that is talking without about... Morality. Without morality. Um, you would also appreciate that if you are humane, if you are very considerate, you would definitely want a situation where you're going to be doing an activity and you think about your fellow brother. What is the consequence? It's not only about the money, but the repercussions, qualitatively and then quantitatively. Right. And then you would also look at the um, worship without sacrifice. If you look at worship without sacrifice, under humane, it talks about love. I mean, you cannot love God without obeying him. And so if you love God, you are going to do what he asks you to do before sacrifice follows. And then the last but not the politics without principles. 
um, if you look at the, it talks about goodness and sympathy and consideration. And so if you have politics, you are doing into politics, consideration will be your key word, watchword. And so that account for why I think that um, science um, um, without, um, humanity. without humanity becomes the most critical thing. I call that the main set out of which all the other subsets emanate from. Right. I, I, I probably think that you you put wealth under science and then the work <laughs> under the ethics that must govern the search, the search for wealth. Correct. Uh, well, I, I, I can tell you which one is leading so far, but I'll do that when I come to give you some of the perspectives that are coming to you. But as a clear leader and it is heartwarming to see Ghanaians voting for that one because if we work with that, a lot of the challenges that we are facing as a nation will take a backward step and will move forward. And I, I just love the fact that we can debate these things and ask ourselves the relevance of them and what we must do to ensure that we move forward as a people. This is Springboard of Virtual University. And in case you just join us, this is 15th floor or the 15th edition of our Leaders Digest series. My guest for tonight, Atuasian, is going to be taking us through some of the pillars that holds his life. But let's start with success, something that we all desire. But we really even know what it is. Atu, one of the things I love about you is your passion to create new things. Everybody wants to be successful. Many people have dreams. But what does it take to take that dream and make it a reality? You've done it over and over again. You set up a number of companies, built credible institutions and organizations. What do you think is the biggest Factor. What are the things that have helped you in your quest to build organizations that people can pick up from you and work with? Thank you, um, Pastor Albert. I'm very grateful. I'm going to talk about three things, and right. these are three things that I hold very dear. And in my opinion, they are secret principles that if our cherished listeners take very seriously, they'll be able to do probably more than what I have done. The first is the God factor. Um, when I talk about the God factor, I am talking about the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. A deliberate recognition of the fact that until the Lord built, they labor in vain them that built it. And so you put God very, very first. Now, under God factor, I'm going to talk about vision. Vision is very important. I was talking to somebody, I said to them, poverty is not the absence of money. Poverty is absence of a vision. When the, the heart decides a destination, the mind would create a, destin a geography to get to it. And so vision is important. The second thing is the law of apprentice. The law of apprentice under the God factor is one's ability and readiness to learn because when God comes and calls you into certain areas and you do not have the competence, you do not have the skill, you have to be humble to learn. A lot of times people have thought that apprenticeship is for subordinate learning from superiors. But I have debated that and said that most of the time, when you see superiors who have become masters in their field, it is their readiness to learn from their subordinates um, because they appreciate that they don't have it all. And then the third is what I call one's desire for excellence. And so that is the three things that I think if anybody listening to me is ready to pick up one vision to the law of apprentice and then the desire for excellence you would be able to make things happen out of nothing. Vision is amazing, Pastor Albert, and it's almost like the driving force behind everything that I have done. Um, the deliberate mental picture that I hold for tomorrow is one of the things that make me restless. Because Stephen Scovey said in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, and he says that one of the things that leaders do is that they see the end of a thing before they start, unquote. And so 
your ability to have a mental picture of what you're seeking to do with your life, it's very critical. Poverty is not lack of money. Poverty is lack of a vision. Actually, let me, let me interrogate the issue of vision a bit further. Many people have what they believe are clear pictures of what they want to do the next in the next 10 years of their lives, the next 20 years of their lives, the next 5 years of their lives. I, I wouldn't say many, but there are people who have an idea about what they want to do, but they still feel helpless. What's the difference between a person who has an idea and stays at one place and a person who runs with the idea? You talked about restlessness. Would you say that's, that's the difference between the person running with the idea and then staying at one place with the idea? Um, I think restlessness is critical. Um, having the picture of tomorrow is the starting point, but you have to wake up and start from a point where you are. And so start is what I call shift to action after reading theory. You have to make a start. You have to make a move. You have to make that phone call. If it's a dream of getting an MBA, pick up the phone call. Call, make the inquiry. Go pick up the application form. Fill it, submit it. Let it get to the point where you have to pay your school fees. And the way the universe is created, God will make men and women who matter concerning that to come your way. If it is a business, go register Go to register general, pick up a registration form, register it, get an office. When it gets to the payment, God will bring the resources. Whatever you are seeking to do and you have the mental picture of it, the difference between the person who would move and make it happen is the person who is committed to making his dream come to pass. And I'd say that the only difference between the rich and the poor is that the poor wish to be rich, but the rich is committed to be rich. Commitment is an active word. And so you have to understand that if you're going to have to make your dreams reality, sit down, write the deliverables. I have to register the business. I have to rent an office. I have to get a bank account. I have to get every resource that you want to get, get it, and then make a committed and deliberate effort towards these things and then make them happen. When it comes to the money, which a lot of people have actually shot themselves in the foot before even starting, it's amazing. God will bring it. When you begin to take the step. So commitment and your ability to identify the critical deliverables and move towards them gingerly will distinguish you from the person who has a mental picture and the person who is committed to their mental picture. 24 minutes past of, of 7 if you just joined us mm-hmm. springboard the virtual university and now you know the, the difference between the poor and the rich I don't know which category you belong to but at least you know why you are where you are because it says the poor wish to be rich the rich are committed the poor wish to be rich the rich are committed to being rich do you wish or are you committed look at the time you wake up look at how much time you spend on your vision look at how fast you are running are you running gingerly or leisurely <laughs> that will give you an idea about why you are where you are but it's, it's, it's the picture that we are being given by William Atwesian who is our guest for tonight on Leaders Digest as we build to a climax on what has been by far a very very insightful series as will give us an idea about the turning points in your life everybody has turning points those significant moments where you made the right choices that propelled you from a place of disadvantage to a place of advantage if you if you scan your life give us a couple of turning points so we can distill the lessons behind them it was i would probably start by saying that the executive summary of my life is i'm a product of god's grace um i do not deserve to be where i am except the grace of god 
I work hard, but I think people work harder than me, yet they've not seen the results I've seen. I think I have a few social capital, but people have more social capital than I do, but they've not seen the results I've seen. So basically my life is that I'm a product of God's grace. The first turning point of my life is at the age of 11 when I saw my mother, mother's hair. My mother was um, 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 a baker. She was baking bread when I saw fire begot her hair. And I looked up and I couldn't help. And I made a determination that I was going to do everything that it takes to make this woman happy. It was a very significant turning point in my life when I saw that happen to my mother. The second thing was the encounter with divine wisdom. I remember that I had made a trip to Takradi on my way back to Accra. When I got to Accra, I needed to be able to get a transport to my house. I had just read a book that was talking about divine wisdom. So I just whispered a prayer to the Holy Spirit. I said, um, how do I get home? And this was very interesting the Spirit of God said to me, that just walk to the queue. There was a long queue at Kanishi at the time. He says, get out of the queue. And I got out of the queue. He says, that stop a taxi. I stopped the taxi. And when I stopped the taxi, he says, that tell him that you're going to dance my exhibition. How much is it going to take? I asked. The guy said that he was going to take, at the time, he was going to take one city, which was very small. And so... I said, yes, I want to go to Dan Suman. He says, so the Lord said to me, the Spirit of God said to me, go back to the queue, find out three people who are going that direction. So I went back to the queue and I said to them, I'm going to Dan Suman. I have a drop taxi, but everybody's going to have to pay 50 pesos. And to my amazement, three people just came, joined, paid 50 pesos to me. They got down and this driver had to take me home and I ended up with 50 pesos to be able to have dinner that evening. It was a very amazing turning point. Simple but meaningful. I, I, I mean, simple. That was when I'm, I'm, I was introduced to myself. The meeting of the most important person on earth, which is meeting with myself. And these were two turning points and um, they changed my life forever. And that account for my total dependency on God and self being self-reliant. And so these are the two most important things. My encounter with divine wisdom and then the meeting of the most important person on earth that is discovering myself. I had heard a message by um, Blessed Memory, um, Dr. Miles Morrow, and he had said that not knowing the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. And then he had indicated that the greatest wealth is not the oil mine of Saudi Arabia or it's not the diamond mines of South Africa, but the wealthiest place is not far away from your house. That was a cemetery. And he had indicated that in the cemetery are men who have died with songs on which were not written, businesses that were not built, schools that were not built, and all kinds of inventions that had gone to add to the wealth of the graveyard. And he had motivated that we needed to die empty. And I went on a three-day journey to ask the Lord that regardless of the 6.5 billion people, why did you create me? And I'd heard Dr. Otabu made this profound statement that in life you always had something to start with. It was one of the amazing things that changed my perspective. At the time, I said to myself that I did not have money, I didn't have social capital, I didn't have education, but I had my strength. And so I was going to trade my strength for money. And that was why I ended up in Kaneshi. Many people may not know, I was a head porter in Kaneshi, carrying things and sitting under the feet of Dr. Otabu is like attending an executive seminary every Sunday. Yes, I was head porter, but I did it with what creativity. How old were you then? Um, around about 15, 16. And um, he taught us that everything your hand find it to do, do it and do it with diligence. And so I was diligent even though I was a head porter. And I was also creative. Not long, I had now become a contractor. When these people come from Techiman, I would contract the whole of their load. And then I would rather get boys to carry 
And um, three months after, I started selling foals. I started selling selection. And then another three months down the line, I started fi- selling foals bills. Uh, because Dr. Tabu will always inspire you for you to know that whatever you are doing, you have to know that you are in transit. And so these are the very important turning points in my life. Seeing my mother's hair catch fire, encounter with divine wisdom, um, the meeting of the most important person on earth, which was myself, after I'd gone on a three-day journey to fast and ask God. And God said to me, I created you and I'm raising you as an employer mm. and not an employee. So the Lord shut me down and said, you're not going to look for any work. You are supposed to create work. That was when I met myself. And ever since, the journey has been very, very amazing. And that account for the thousands of people that, by the grace of God, through the gift and the talent God had given to me, had successfully created employment platforms for them. And so if I never met the self who is supposed to employ, and I had probably become a victim of working for somebody, probably thousands and thousands, five people today, principally would not have had the opportunity to work in the platforms that I've created. So these are the three turning points of my life. Dr. Otabu making a profound statement that in life you have something to start with and then not determining not to add to the wealth of the graveyard and then meeting the most important person on earth, which was myself. 31 minutes past the hour of 7. It's a profound story that we are telling right here on the virtual university. This is Springboard. And if you just joined us, my guest, Atuisian, founder of First Capital Plus and the president of Asian Swiss International Capital Holdings, he has interests in a number of companies, some of which he founded, some of which is connected to. In fact, his interests are far wider than he makes them out to be. But suffice it to say that he's a person living out a certain dream, but also carrying a restlessness that there is much more that can be done. What is it that God gave you? What is it that you think that you have? Are you pursuing it or have you given up before starting because you think nobody believes in you? You're going to find out that everything that you require for life, God has given you. You know, I love that song. Whenever we sing it, I say, do we really understand the song? The song that we sing, I mean, everybody sings in church. I mean, they say, we are a chosen generation called for right. to show his excellence. his excellence. The part I love the most, it says, all I require for life, God has, God has given me. Mm. You can't sing that mm. song and then still mm. complain. Mm. Amazing. Mm. I, I think those words are very, very powerful. Mm. All I require for life, God has, God has given God has given do, do you believe it? Mm. Like everyone has all that they need to Everyone. Pastor, only this afternoon I was talking to some gentlemen that said to them that money is never the problem. The problem is always a vision. So why don't people believe it? You know, it's the easiest legitimate reason anybody can give themselves why they are not able to do something. Unfortunately, we have grown up from a society that we still have the impact of the law of scarcity. We still have the impact of not being able to create out of nothing. And so you have what people would normally say to you, but I don't have the money. But I don't have the money. But money is actually a tool. Vision is the wealth. The Bible says that God knows the end of the matter from the beginning. Your ability to hold a mental picture of where you are going tomorrow is what is going to bring that to pass. Pastor Albert, if you've not decided to build yourself a house, you'll be surprised that your next door neighbor sells cement and iron rods. And they can give you credit. But up until you make a commitment that I want to build a house and start the process, these persons will not come. All I require for life have been given, but the universe has been created in a way that up until you lay a demand on the universe, it does not bring what you require. Let's talk about networks. Networks. How important is the people you connect to in achieving your dream? So essential. 
I call it social capital. And, and probably it's it's probably uh, network is probably more expensive than money. Um, because uh, the Bible says that show me your friends and I'll show you your character. When you are friends with a wise, you become wise. When you are friends with a fool, you become a fool. When you are friends with somebody who knows how to be able to make things happen, you will definitely become a victim of knowing how to make things happen. Social capital is amazing. Now, social capital, I'd always realize that people think that they can use social capital. You don't use social capital. You develop social capital. You develop a relationship. You build friendship. Every benefit of social capital is actually a bonus after a relationship has been built. And so social capital cannot be overemphasized. It is one of the critical tools that anybody needs for them to be able to manifest and fulfill their dreams. Would you suggest that some people are not benefiting from social capital because they go out to make a relationship with the intention of using it? Exactly. You see, you, see, you have to know how to behave yourself in the palace. If you find yourself in the palace and you do not appreciate the rules of engagement that is actually upheld in the palace, you're not going to get a full benefit. I would say that it is not a bad idea to say that I want to develop a relationship with the intention of using it, but don't make that the prime focus. People have always said, and I've said to people, don't go into a relationship finding out what you are going to benefit. Go into a relationship and ask yourself, what can I do to add to this person? And if you have that intention, you'll be amazed that the other person comes out, comes around automatically. But if you go seeking for what they would give you, then it is a one-way affair. But go out and ask, how do you add to this life? How do you benefit this person? How do you serve that person? How do you commit to that person? And that is when social capital will yield its dividend for you. And so I would rather wish that people will be oriented or they will be motivated with developing a relationship by virtue of serving the other person, not by virtue of the other person serving them. And once you have that commitment, the law of service will yield to your dividend. If you go serve them, they will find a way to serve you. But if you expect them to serve you, I'm sorry, it's going to take forever. Go out into relationship knowing that what can I do to make your life better? What can I do to make your life improve? What can I do to make your life a bit comfortable? And the thing is that most of the time we also get it wrong and think that great people who are our superiors, our mentors, have it all. But sometimes they just want a word of encouragement from you. Sometimes they just want you to go pick up a brush for them. Sometimes they just want you to be there. Find out what you can do to make the person you want to court their relationship better. And they will automatically respond back to you. Even mentors have needs, and if you learn to discern the needs of the person you are trying to connect to, you will find access very easy. Let me find out from Atul. This is a, one of the biggest questions when, when we travel around the country on the road show. I find that many emerging leaders, I don't call them young people, emerging leaders want to connect. You talk about the protocol of the palace. Is it possible to get access but to lose that access by virtue of mistakes that you make? And if so, give me one or two mistakes that people make that so that our listeners will learn from me. Because I know people who say, I met this big CEO and I was so excited, but after a couple of months, I don't know what I did, but somehow the door has shut to me. Tell me, is, are there secrets people must know beyond access? So you can meet the person the first time. The person may like you. The person may even open up their access to you. But something you do could also switch off the button. Let me find out from you, from your own personal experience and from observation, what are the things that shut the door of access? When you meet greatness, you don't talk. 
you listen. Mm. What shuts the door is that when you meet greatness and you demonstrate your little myopic ideas and you want the greatness to know that you are also there, you will lose it. You will miss it. When you meet greatness, you have to be quiet and listen. When you meet greatness, be selective of the questions you ask. When you meet greatness, know the protocols of greatness. I mean, you cannot meet a mentor and then in the confines of the mentor, you say that, can I have your number? You don't do that. Once you do that, you put a person off. You do not get into also a mentor relationship and first and foremost, you put your need before them. You shut the door, close. Now, one of the things you have to learn to do is when you meet greatness, you shut up and you listen. Number two, when you meet greatness, you don't ask for money, you ask for their wisdom. And these are the two most important things that you have to do. Now, naturally, when you meet any successful person, they are ready to share. But when you meet a successful person and you ask for the wrong things, they know who you are. They know opportunists are a lot. They know you are not genuine, you are fake, you are not real. You have come to just come and eat of their fruit and not their seed. If you demand for the seed, they know you are real. If you demand it for the fruit, they know you are fake. Mm. Never ask for material gains from the from greatness. Ask for their seed. Ask for the seed. Ask for the seed. The seed is greater than the fruit. Than the fruit. Would would, would you equate that to asking for how to fish instead of asking for fish? Correctly so. Let them teach you how to fish. Rather than you saying, give me some of your fish. And the mentors prefer that. They prefer that you demand that teach me how to fish. It's a better use of their it's time. It's a better use of their time. Because you see, the thing about greatness is that as you excel in life, there is this yearning in your spirit to teach people what you know. And so when you come close to greatness and you become quiet, greatness will automatically pour in you. But what, what is being poured in you is valued, they know. And when what is being poured in you is also devalued, they know. And so they could tell why you are there. And that's why doors shut for people when they meet greatness. When we come back from this musical break, I'm going to ask you one of the most important questions tonight. How do you look at something from afar and say this thing will do well? I know you have a gift in that area. It's 20 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you know somebody who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who knows somebody, who has a dream and is struggling, call them to listen to the next question because that could be the difference in the rest of their lives. How to, be, how to spot a winning idea from afar and nurse it to success. My guest for tonight, Atwesian, the founder of First Capital Plus and the president of Asian Swiss International Capital Holdings. He's the 15th guest deliberately chosen for that purpose, to engineer and to just spark in someone the desire, the strength to build and to win. Okay, the time is 14 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. And if you've been with us this evening, it's been a very engaging discussion with my guest, Atwesian, and I'm sure that you are just beginning to be inspired to believe that that idea, that dream can become a reality. Earlier in the show, I asked you about wealth without work. Number two, pleasure without conscience. Number three, knowledge without character. Number four, business without morality. Number five, science without humanity. Number six, worship without sacrifice. And the seventh one, 
Politics Without Principle, published by Gandhi in 1925. My question is, 90 years after, are these, are these principles relevant? Yuzoma writing on Facebook says, I think it is world without work. When people want success without working for it, they jettison all known principles and morals. Jifa Ama Nyaso, who is the CEO of Ultimate Credit, says, world without work. When people want wealth but don't want to work for it, it's a sure recipe for disaster, chaos, and all sorts of crime. He who does not work must not eat. Jeremiah Boabing says, it is impossible to select one. I am persuaded that every society that wants to build an enduring legacy must build on the antithesis of all these seven pillars. Dennis Adam Degbos says, I strongly believe what is destroying our society today is wealth without work. And he concludes by saying that that is the fuel or penchant for corruption. Michael Ofosuhini says, it's politics without principles. Abeku Finn says, worship without sacrifice. And he Add that since most Ghanaians claim a form of religion or worship, I believe it is our refusal to sacrifice labor, patience, pride, and morality or character that leads to the other sins. So a lack of sacrifice in our lives will be my choice. Kofi says politics without principles. Kofi, I'm not surprised at your choice. Nana Kwame Eninfo says, in my opinion, I think all the above mentioned sins have the potential to destroy our society, but the most destructive of all is knowledge without character. I'm sure we could go on and on. Just visit my Facebook page and you will find loads of them listed there, loads of opinions, and you can also add yours. Let's keep this debate going beyond radio. It's just worth our while as a people to ask ourselves what it takes to build the good society. Actually, before we went out on a break, I was asking you a very important question. How do you spot, when you spot an idea from afar, what is it that's what is it that makes you say this one will work? Because for someone like you, I'm sure there are several ideas that come to your head. What makes you say this one is worth pursuing? So our listeners can, can tell how to discern or distill the one that will work. I think um, three things. Number one, I'd say that make sure that the idea is solving a need. Um, I've said to people that money is the reward you get for solving a problem. Number two, the kind of money you get determines the kind of people you're solving the problem to. How much money you also make determines the, how much, how many people are contributing or patronizing that idea. So it's pretty much a simple three-step process. Find an idea. The idea must be relevant. Number two, the idea must be able to stand the test of time. Number three, the idea must have an economic audience. When I say an economic audience, um, you cannot have an idea and then only your the economic ed- audience is just about five people. And they buy the product and it's going to take them two years before they come back again. Um, but if you have an idea that the economic ed- audience is probably 3,000 and then this is something that is going to be used every week, then you know that to a large extent you'll be able to establish economic ed- audience. And so these are the simple basic principles. Number one, make sure the idea is relevant. Two, it can stand the test of time. And three, it has economic audience by way, by way of the numbers. Wow. Relevance, longevity, and economic audience. audience. Let me ask you about the, the, the question that we typically would ask everyone who comes in on the show, in the series, is the main thread that has run through the series. And the question is this, what are the three pillars that hold your life? What are the core values when all is said and done, stripping you of, of titles, of achievements, of everything? What are the three pillars, the three values that hold your life, Atu? Number one, the God factor. 
I'm a product of the church. I'm a product of God's grace. I'm a product of God's mercy. When I talk about the God factor, I'm talking about three things. Number one, I'm talking about self-reliant, being God-dependent. And so when I go to God in prayer and he tells me anything, if God tells me right now, go and sell salt on the street, I would go do it. Um, I rely on myself because I believe that when God speaks to me, he knows that I have what it takes. Whatever God speaks interfaces with one's potential. Two, perpetual thanksgiving and worship. I've developed an attitude of thanksgiving. And so when I talk about God factor, I have learned never to be negative, regardless. In all circumstances, with lifted hands to bless God because it's not a shock to God. It's in the interest of God, it's in the interest of myself for that to happen. So, And the last is kingdom-mindedness. So under the God factor, self-reliant and God-dependent, perpetual thanksgiving and worship, and then kingdom-mindedness. The second value is the art of writing down my plans. You know, there was a survey that was conducted in Harvard University. And that survey sought to find out the common denominator that was um, running through all the great men and women that had gone through Harvard. And this was done across sectors. I mean, scientists, politicians, businessmen, and what have you. And it was done over a span of 50 years. And they wanted to find out what is that one thing that all these successful people do. And it was established that all these people were people who write down their goals and write down their dreams. Now, the art of writing down your goal moves you to the top 3% performance in the world. And so the Bible says that write down the vision, he who will read it will run. If you write down your dream, something amazing happened between the brain and your hand. Immediately you write down the dream, you have translated what is in your mind and you put it on paper, which brings clarity and it plays a demand on the universe. So the art of writing down your plans is very important, both strategic, tactical and operational. And the third is discipline and commitment to the art of doing. Whatever you write, because you move to the top 3% of the top performers in the world, you get to know that it is almost as if it is magical, that everything you write down, you get up doing. So you develop the art of doing and the discipline and the commitment to make it happen. So the God factor, the art of writing down my plans, and the last but not the least, discipline and commitment to the art of doing. It is seven minutes to the hour of of, of eight o'clock, and now you know why I deliberately put at the at the final end of this discussion on leaders' digest. We've had quite a stimulating a stimulating series by far probably one of our very best series that we have had and what we have been seeking to do on this journey is to distill some of the pillars the most important pillars that undergird the lives of some of the most accomplished leaders and we are very excited that we've been able to bring you 15 of the very best leaders you can find next week i'm going to bring dr emmanuel akwiti of idec and dr isi ansa to sit down and synthesize a report of these 15 leaders what was common among them? What did they say? What did they bring to bear? And what have we learned about the thinking pattern of Ghana's finest business leaders? But before next week, let me bring on board somebody whose thoughts I really respect. He just sent me a text to say, wow, that's it. This is the kind of discussion radio should be having. Let me just greet my friend Charles Mensah, the CEO of Trust Consult. Charles, good evening, sir. Good evening, Albert, and good evening, Atwood. Good evening, Charles. Good to hear from you. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm, I, look, I feel I'm, I'm happy and I'm at the same time sad. I'm sad because these are the things that we want to hear. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm a consultant. I've been consulting for a number of companies, including foreign and local. But the things that Ato is doing 
And the way he runs his I'm just impressed. I wish somebody could, could write a book about Atu and then let the book be studied among the kids in the SSS and the first in university. I mean, the principles that he, he had stated this evening, look, I am full. I bet. Thank you very much for bringing Atu. And I'm so impressed. I'm touched. I've, I've lost for words. I honestly lost for words. Uh, oh, man. God bless you guys. Thank you very much, Charles. That was Charles Mercer, CEO of Trust Consult, and he just said it so well, so honestly and so genuinely, and that's why we call it the Leader's Digest. We bring things that speak to leaders at the very highest level and speaks to the the, the startups and gives them hope that it is possible. That is why we call it the Leader's Digest. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments of of Atwesian, and I'm sure... As Charles is saying, this this is the stuff that must go into a book. We talk about the book of it. Atu and I have so much to do together. <laughs> so let me talk. Let me talk about the ten principles that undergird the life of Atuisian, and then we'll bring down the curtain on this one. Remember, the next week we are doing the wrap up series, and that's going to be very very exciting. So number one, his number one commandment is the God factor. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and until the Lord builds, you build in vain. He and he captures under the fear of the Lord. And he says, poverty is the absence of vision, not the absence of money. He talks about the law of the apprentice, and he talks about the desire for excellence. And all that comes under the God factor. The principle number two is restlessness. What is a vision if you sit at one place and you say, I have a vision, and you do nothing? So he says, the vision is the starting point. You need to shift from to action after writing the vision. After reading theory, you need to shift to action. Make that call. Pick up that form. Move. And God will make it happen. Number three is commitment. He says, the poor wish to be rich and the rich are committed to being rich. So identify the deliverables of your vision and move gingerly towards them. Number four is the turning points of his life. He says his executive summary of his life is that he's a product of the grace of God and he identifies five turning points at 11 or 12, seeing his mother's head catch fire as a baker and telling himself, this must not happen. Number two, the encounter with divine wisdom. How to turn a situation where you are standing by a taxi with no money to a situation where the taxi takes you to your destination and you make profit of 50 pesos. Amazing. Number three, it's the meeting the most important person of his life that is himself. Number four, being translated from a head porter at age 15 to the founder of a bank. And number five, a message preached by Dr. Otabel that he listened to and just one sentence. Give me that sentence again, sir. In life, you always have something in to life, start with. All you require for mm. life, God has, God has given you. you. That was the mm. message. And that is the turning point you talked mm. about. The, the fifth lesson is about social capital. He says, networks are more important than money. Your network or social capital is critical for your success. And don't use relationships. Develop them and every benefit you get from them is a byproduct. Number six is about protocols. He says, when you get into the palace, know how to behave. Don't make unnecessary mistakes around accomplished people. There are protocols in the pal- palace. Look out for what you can give to the mentor. Even a mentor that you're looking for has needs. Then he goes on to talk about mentoring itself and says, in the presence of greatness, these are the things that close the door and you need to look out for them. Number one, don't talk. Listen. When you meet greatness, be selective about the quality of questions you ask. When you ask what my friend calls nonsense questions, he puts away the accomplished mm-hmm. people. Don't ask for money. 
ask for the wisdom that helps to build mm-hmm. and you will get the support that you need and definitely don't ask for their mobile number number eight celebrating people he says when you celebrate people they celebrate you back and whatever you celebrate you attract into your life mm-hmm. number nine he talks about a winning idea how do you identify ideas that will win number one they must be relevant number two they must have longevity they must stand the test of time and number three they must have an economic audience when you have ideas about snow in kumasi you're wasting all of us our time the idea must have numbers and they must be repetitive so we can make money out of them and then the final one the three pillars that hold his life are number one the god factor he says he's self-reliant and god dependent if you don't understand that one pray god will give you a revelation he says he's perpetually thankful and he's kingdom minded and that, that that's the god factor number two he writes down his plans and that places a demand on the universe to respond to the plans and then finally the discipline of execution tonight if you sleep the same way you slept all the the past days then the program has not had an impact in your life something must shift tonight and i pray that as you go to bed tonight you would ask god to open your eyes to the wisdom that has been shared i took take us home in 10 seconds what should you remember about tonight i would want to leave um the cherished listeners with this statement that winners never quit and quitters and never win Hmm. But I have said, great winners know when to quit. Because you must learn to stop using good money to chasing bad money. Know when ideas are not working and know when you have to shift camp. And so winners never quit. Quitters never win. But great winners know when to close the door and walk away. That's what I would like to leave with my cherished listeners. That's another subject altogether. Good evening to my lovely children, Nana Okran, Jojo Okran, and Inshira Okran. I love you. Until I come your way again next week with the wrap-up show with Dr. Emmanuel Akwiti and Dr. Isi Ansan distilling the 15 common principles from the discussions we've had over the past 15 weeks. And on behalf of my boss, Comfort Okran, Matthew, and the entire production team, God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more